Bonnie is back with me and we're responding to your questions. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 622. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. A few times a year, we set aside our typical conversations and respond to questions that have come in here from our listening community. And if you have a question for us that you'd like us to consider for a future episode, I hope you'll go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That is the very best way to get it to us. And Bonnie Stahoviak is with me, and it's been a while since we've done a Q&A episode. Bonnie, hello. Hi. I was cracking up as you were saying this because I remember how long it took me to realize that we had gone from a once a month frequency to a a few times a year. You had to sort of like gently reveal that to me. I also do feel like I need to be very transparent right now. It's going to come up in a later question. I sit here before you now, Dave, wearing a wearable blanket. And both of our children are in the other room wearing a wearable blanket. You are the only person in this house not wearing a wearable blanket. And I feel like we may need to get you one so that you could join us in the fun coziness that it is on this rainy Southern California day. I also noticed that you are still wearing your pajamas and it may appear that I am not I am not wearing my pajamas because I have a sweatshirt on. But if you look closely the bottom half of me is covered in pajamas as well. So now that people know more than they ever wanted to know, believe it or not, this does actually link into one of our questions today. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, exactly. So now that you're all warm and cozy, should we uh, dive in on our questions here today? Let's hear from Susan. All right. Susan writes in and says, how do you differentiate between a staff member who has some gaps in their skills or knowledge where those gaps are addressable through coaching and training Versus someone who is in over their head, especially when the issue has been going on for years, long before current leadership has been in place. In this situation, I've seen a tendency to retain at all costs for the sake of organizational stability, especially in the context of other departures for different reasons. Even after you've made the initial differentiation, how does the greater good argument factor in on how to proceed? Bonnie, it's funny, this question came in from Susan You and I had a conversation last night as we were making dinner about a friend who's dealing with a similar situation, and this comes up a lot. What do you think? Yeah, when I was reading Susan's question, I thought, my goodness, I have also experienced a lot of this. This is a very common challenge, and one theme that I drew from Susan's question has to do with trust. Stephen Covey, to me, gave such a powerful definition of trust that I first read many decades ago that trust is comprised of character and competence. And I'm going to presume, Susan, in the question as you asked it, we're not talking about issues of character, that we are more focused on competence, because if it has to do with character, I kind of feel like then we're dealing with a whole nother set of issues. But I'm going to read your question as far as the person not really having the competence to do what it is. And you mentioned in your question about sort of wanting to divide people between where training and coaching can be an answer. And then you gave the expression of people being really over 
their head. I'd like to share about a flow chart, which actually comes out of a book and some research by Mager and Pipe. It's the Mager and Pipe flow chart. Dave, I think we've mentioned this on the show previously. It comes up a lot for me. And it comes up for me. My background used to be in corporate training. And everybody with every problem they had wanted to send someone off to get trained, aka to get fixed. And the fact of the matter is, as you well point out in your questions, Susan, Training is not the answer to everything. In fact, Maker and Pipe identify a number of things that may come up that don't have things to do with training someone. Do they have the resources that they need to perform the job? Do they actually want to? Are there any barriers or challenges that are getting in the way? And I kind of want to add some C's to Stephen Covey's definition of trust, we talked about character, competence, but there's also the idea of capacity. And capacity might, we might be held back either by just apathy or a desire not to move on. I still will never forget, Dave, I used to work with someone who was phenomenal in human resources, but had absolutely no desire to sort of progress on in terms of more formal things. She she had never actually earned a college degree, had no desire to get a college degree. She was fantastic. She was always learning, but wasn't really interested in sort of external kinds of affirmations of one's learning and stayed in a similar role level in the organization throughout most of her career and was phenomenal, like I said. And I think of her often when I think about if you are the kind of person who's constantly wanting to sort of move up and expand and and change your dynamic, we really need people who are more stable, more content, more able to really fulfill some core responsibilities in our organization. So I do think we have to be careful as we think about capacity. But when you look at the Mager pipe flow chart, some of the things are going to have to do with a lack of competence, but some of them are going to have to do with a lack of capacity. Some of that can be addressed within the person, perhaps by managing the person well, or perhaps by the organization figuring out how to expand or extend the person's capacity. And I have one final C, and that final C is caution. So we've got character, competence, capacity, and you guessed it, Dave, caution. Lots of C's today. (laughs) I mentioned having been challenged with similar themes like this throughout my career. And one of the challenges that I have ran into, I also see you doing, Susan, a little bit in how you worded this, and that is in dichotomous thinking. I caution both of us to be sorting people into dichotomous categories. When we really think about it, people are hardly ever divided into they just need more training or They're completely over their head. And when we allow ourselves to think in more nuanced ways, sometimes it's just a matter of adjusting our own mindset. And sometimes it's a matter of organizational alignment and needing to better align someone's role with what they are both able to and also willing to do in a particular role. So that was just something that came up for me as I reflected on times when I have handled these kinds of situations well, and when I have also not handled these kinds of situations well. And thanks so much, Susan, for your question. 
I love everything you said. And the only thing that I'd add is you alluded to this a bit in the question, Susan, of like, what does the organization feel about this and what you do or don't do? And I have absolutely seen it work on both sides. Work's not the right word. I've seen it happen on both sides. Sometimes you are ready and willing to do more and to challenge someone perhaps more and to provide them with more opportunities or more accountability or more coaching than the organization, the organizational culture typically does. And I have seen it happen where that works really well, where the organization, the lar- the other stakeholders may say, hey, we normally wouldn't push as much. We normally wouldn't challenge as much or give as much accountability. But if you as a leader are willing and able to do that for your team, great, we'll support you in doing that. And I'm thinking about one situation in particular where early in my career, I worked with a leader who was outside of the norm definitely, and how the organization normally handled things, but was fully supported and embraced by the organization of giving people accountability and pushing people more. I've also seen it work the opposite way, too, where the a particular leader or team is much more, what's the word, not willing, but just wanting to do more to give feedback, to coach, to provide accountability. And the organization isn't really ready or able or willing to support that. And I I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong there. I used to think of that more as a right or wrong, but now I just realize that those are different. Sometimes just organizations aren't ready or willing to provide that kind of support for whatever reason. And sometimes that's bad and sometimes that's not. I think the thing is to know like where your organization stands. If you do something a little different than everyone else, are you going to be supported or is are you going to be outside the norm of what the organization is typically going to do? And so taking some time to reflect on that, and again, going back to what Bonnie said, this isn't necessarily a dichotomous thing. It's not a on or off. It's not an either or necessarily, but just knowing like where you stand. And if you don't know that, Susan, you might test that just a bit and kind of you know, you start to do a few things that are different than what the organization's typically doing and see how people respond. And if you start there, that might be the thing that gives you the indicator of what you do next. The next question is from Elizabeth. How do I manage a team member who's overly confident in their role and ability? I'm having to highlight where her work isn't at the standard that is expected. I worry that it is fostering a negative dynamic between myself and my team member, as they feel I'm being critical of them, as they do not see the work as requiring improvement and often lack accountability for the areas that need improving. As a woman in business, I always want to support other women. Therefore, it's a difficult situation to explain to someone that they are not at the standard that they portray themselves to be. Elizabeth, thank you so much for this question. There's a couple of components to this question. So let's start first with what is the role that this person has? And going back to Bonnie's comment on the last question of the flowchart from Mager and Pipe, which we'll point to in the episode notes, one of the very first questions in that flowchart is, are expectations clear? 
And so that's my invitation for you as well is to begin there of are the expectations of this role clear with the other person? Are those have those been talked about? Are they espoused? Are they maybe in writing? Is it really clear what those are? And if so, great. If not, that's absolutely the place to start is to be creating that framework and having those conversations and espousing exactly what the expectations are first and then calibrating to those. It sounds to me like the two of you aren't calibrated on what those are. So if the expectations are there, your expectations are different than hers and she isn't calibrated with what you're expecting as far as the role. Now, what to do? So I I'm conscious that there's a gender component to this question and Bonnie might have something to add on this too, but I don't think you do her any favors by not giving her feedback and helping her calibrate and providing accountability. So if your intention is as you say to support her and to want to help her to grow and to support another woman in business, then I think one of the best things you can do is to provide her with the feedback to make sure that she understands what the expectations of the role are and also where she is or is not meeting those expectations. Because if we play this out six months, a year, two years, whatever, and she moves on to a new role or you move on to a new role and she's not prepared for the new manager or for the new role, that reflects poorly on her, but it also reflects poorly on you. And I think the best way you can support her is by leaning in and actually having more conversations about where she's at, where she's not calibrated correctly to the role and pointing those out and supporting her. And as Kim Scott would say, this is getting back to a both and this is an and of challenging, challenging directly, but also caring personally, as she talks about in Radical Candor. It's both. It's caring for the person and wanting the best for them, but it's also challenging them and pointing out what it is that isn't working. And the model that I think is really helpful for this comes from Jonathan Raymond, the accountability dial. We'll, we'll link up to it in the episode notes. And Jonathan has a really straightforward process for starting to have regular conversations about accountability. And the challenge for a lot of us in accountability conversations is that we think about accountability is sitting down and having a very difficult conversation with someone about what it is that they're not doing and not meeting expectations on the role. And that, and that being a big sit-down event where we have to really give them this news of what's not working. And that does occasionally happen with accountability, and it is one part of accountability. But accountability is much broader than that. And to me, it's much more germane to the everyday conversations that you're having. So where Jonathan would suggest starting is with mentions. Are you mentioning the things that are working, where she's calibrated well? And are you mentioning the things that aren't working and bringing that into regular conversations and interactions every day? And do those mentions lead to some larger conversations? And there's a whole progression that Jonathan walks through in the accountability dial. But the key message from him is have accountability be a regular dialogue throughout the, the work that you are doing and part of the regular interactions that you have with her. And I think that if you bring that in, both in the things she's doing well and also the opportunities for improvement, you are demonstrating to her that you care. 
and that you want her to get better. And yes, also, there are expectations of this role. And if she's not meeting those expectations, you're going to go further on that accountability dial because you're not doing her any favors if you're if you're saying, hey, it's okay to not meet these expectations of the role, unless the organization's decided that. But she needs to know that. And my experience has been is that when managers get consistent on having regular accountability conversations, not just the big sit-down things, but the regular daily interactions, is that that precipitates an outcome usually pretty quickly. Either it gets you both talking about how this person does better, or you both come to the conclusion, or one of you comes to the conclusion, that it's not working, that this particular skill set is not possible for them to develop, or at least not possible in the time frame that you have and the resources that you have, and then you figure out something else. But I think that that's the key is those regular conversations and dialogue, because you're supporting her then by pointing those things out, by giving that feedback and giving her the opportunity to do different. I've had a number of opportunities to have conversations on my podcast over the years about implicit bias and specifically about gender and implicit bias. And we can kind of get caught up in these studies sometimes of just looking at, oh, the exact same resumes or CVs with the exact same information, but just the names get changed from a male-sounding name to a female-sounding name and the disparities that then are inherent in those choices. That, and, and so you can get caught up and and start thinking, well, my goodness, Dave, all of you men are, look at what you're doing to us women, only to discover in a lot of this research, the women are exasperating the implicit bias challenges as well as the men, as in we women can do this to each other. So I am glad that you're thinking about this stuff and reflecting. One thing I would challenge you to be cognizant of is we all have biases. And sometimes our biases can be really helpful to us. They can keep us safe. They can help us make good decisions and faster decisions. And sometimes the biases that we possess are not helpful. And so just to be thinking about this situation in terms of where gender may be playing a role, but also to keep in mind, you may not be aware of the ways in which your own implicit bias could come into play here. And so gender may or may not be playing a role. And I concur with Dave and I echo what he said about you're not doing someone any favors to not hold them to a series of expectations based on any number of factors. One thing that I think about a lot is I'm a really big fan of the Clifton strengths. And particularly, I find it so much more helpful not just to, to do the report that tells you what your top five strengths are, but how about a list of all 30, I think it's 37 or 34 strengths. 34, yeah. Listed from one to 34, as in the one at the very bottom may not be a strength, but it's going to be a weakness. And they talk about, you know, then you want to get other people involved because rather than try to get better at something that you're just not, not going to, your default setting is not going to be good at. Well, one of the things that shows up at the top of, or toward the top of my list is called Maximizer. And Maximizer is all about excellence. And I love that the person I report to at our university, our provost, his name is Ryan. And so we'll regularly have conversations because he's aware of my strengths and he's aware of, of what it is like if you try to tell someone who loves making, just working, collaborating with other people and doing incredibly 
fun, excellent, powerful, life-changing kinds of things. And sometimes what just needs to get done is just to check the box. And so he's really good about either telling me that this is something that doesn't really need to be maximized and, and helping me sort of navigate that, or really more, more likely he, he'll give me things that are great to give a maximizer to with a great team of people who love to do the same. And so sometimes this can come up, and I just don't know when, when someone you talked about them being overly confident and not, you know, living up to your expectations, you'd want to be self-aware because I'll find it all the time where I'll, I'll have to sort of hold myself back and go, it's not that this person isn't doing a good job or isn't capable of doing a good job, but maximizer is not one of their strengths. So can they draw? It doesn't mean you don't expect people to still do their jobs. It doesn't mean you don't expect people to still contribute. But just how do you align the work as well as align your thinking about the work and the people doing it such that you're not expecting everyone to show up as maximizers when you don't need everyone? That's not going to be great because you're going to need some things that just do check the box and it's not going to be worth it to try to turn everything into a life-changing sort of of an experience. So I appreciate your question. I do think the more that we can get these things to be more explicit and and Dave's recommendation of that accountability dial would be fun for us to hear from you after you start experimenting with some of those things. And that this is a theme for today. It's not an on-off button, but can we sort of gradually adjust our feedback such that we're making sure we have clear expectations and then that people are getting feedback on how they're meeting them. So many things come back to the episode we had uh, Wendy Smith on a couple months ago talking about both and thinking instead of either or thinking and how often we do tend to dichotomize thinking as you talk about often, Bonnie, and it's the invitation, I think, for all of us. I know I catch myself doing this all the time. Is like, where can there be an and here? Where can there be a both and of working together and looking at something that is not just dichotomous? And if the more we can nudge ourselves in that direction each day, I think the better. So this brings us to, I think, our final question. Steve writes, how do you balance household tasks when you're both so busy? It's so easy to think you're doing more when actually you're not or thinking you have more on your work plate. What do you do? Bonnie, as we both said, by the way, I don't normally record podcast episodes in my pajamas, but since it is, (laughs) we are recording this on a Saturday morning. So here we are. How do we handle household tasks? Sometimes not well. We we have every appliance that could break, it seems like, in our house has broken in the last, what, 24 months or something. You just mentioned we bought a new car. It has been, things have broken. The water heater exploded, what, a year ago while you were in the shower? That was fun. Yeah. Good times. Oh, oh yes. This was another question that just made me laugh out loud. I have five ideas here, so I'm going to go quick. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Choose joy. So every time we can decide when something comes up, if we're going to grumble about it, and I, Dave will tell you I do my share of grumbling, but I am at my best when I decide to choose joy and to be thankful that there are clothes to pick up off the ground, to be thankful that there are dishes to be washed, to be thankful that there's a dishwasher to place said dishes into, to be thankful that there is a roof over our head, and I could go on and on, but I'm not perfect at this, but when I take the opportunity to choose joy, it pays off every time. Second, use our strengths. So there Mm -hmm. are things that Dave is very good at. And so we both believe in terms of our partnership. We believe in it is our money. We don't talk about it as Dave's money or Bonnie's money. It's our money. But when it comes to who is actually going to reconcile 
each and every transaction as it comes in from the various credit cards or banks, that that is not a great job for me. And so to to be really, instead of trying to think about it as a 50-50 split, um, you, you actually, Steve, answered your question. It's so easy to think you're doing more than you actually are. So rather than thinking about it as I'm going to do half of the work and Dave's going to do half the work, that is not a mathematical calculation that will ever pay off because the feeble human mind will always think that they're doing more than the other person. So choosing joy and using our strengths gets us a long way there. I mentioned the word maximize when it comes to the strengths of excellence. And so I'm going to use the word maximize maximize in a slightly different way now. And that is I want to maximize the time. So when someone calls me and I look on the phone and I realize, oh, this is probably going to be a while. I love to just go down and start folding some laundry. Folding laundry is something that you can easily switch task between. You can be folding it because it doesn't take a lot of mental power and can really allow you to still listen deeply to the person while also getting off the phone and going, holy cow, I just folded two loads of laundry or washing dishes or what have you. The fourth idea I have is to break it down so we can look at the different problem areas in our household and become overwhelmed. And and, and so that can seem like, oh my gosh, this is just, just insurmountable. But if you say, okay, I'm just going to spend 10 minutes doing that, You spend 10 minutes doing anything, whether you say, I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk. I'm just going to put the shoes on and start walking. It's hardly ever just 10 minutes. Dave knows this. And oh my gosh, I feel like if if only we had chapter art for our podcast, because I would love to show you our pantry and what is emerging from the most amazing pantry makeover someone may have ever seen, but we're not done yet. (laughs) And I had just originally decided, spend 10 minutes cleaning it up. And then the next day I spent 20 minutes. And then our daughter came in and just was like, can I? help you? Well, of course you can help me. And that's bringing a lot more joy to the project and everything. But it's we're not done yet. But those little 10 minutes, and we even did it as a family, all four of us. Like, can we spend 10 minutes tonight? This obviously you can tell the pantry is in bad shape because none of this has added up to being done. And I spent a lot of time the other day with our daughter on it. Anyway, my last idea, give up. So I I had really, throughout different portions of the pandemic, I had really, uh, all of us, I think I ran into this where you start to try to take control of something because the whole world felt outside of and feels some days like out of our control. And so something as simple as folding a pair of socks, Dave, I've watched a lot of YouTube about the different ways you can fold socks. And for a season, <laughs> I was in there and you, you'd go in, you go into the drawer and it's like this these are some incredibly folded socks and they all had the seam going the uh, same way. I so do that remember when, that season, when, yes. And I follow the, I get inspiration from the Home Edit, which is a home decorating book and series of books and shows that they they like to decorate things in rainbow order, although I do not do that with books. I, I really resist the organize your books in rainbow order, but organizing socks in rainbow order, I am fully behind. Also the Croy t-shirts. Water, T-shirts, sure, sure, sure. T-shirts, definitely but, T-shirts. Recently, I have just given up and I go that that is not a good use of your time. It doesn't have the payoff of feeling like you can control this one teeny tiny part of your universe. And so I am just this will sound like a miracle here, but I'm just pairing them up and in some cases folding them in half. 
And in other cases, folding them in thirds because they're a little bit larger socks and they're going in the drawer. And so I think if we give up, we, we had talked last night, we got some lights replacing, speaking of a lot of things going wrong in our household, the under counter lights on the kitchen had gotten replaced and Dave's looking at the kitchen island going, I can't do it. I can't do it. I was like, don't do it. Let's go to bed. Let's go to bed. And who cares if we wake up the next morning and our, our kitchen island is still covered with, you know, all the stuff from the night before. Choose joy. Use your strengths. Maximize break it down, and when in doubt, just give up. That was so good. I think I only have two things to add. <laughs> I hope they have catchy titles, because I'm no. counting on you here. They don't I need have a catchy, catchy title. I didn't think you were going to have a whole list. I was like, wow, that was really well thought out. Two things to add would be, one, and you you said this, but maybe this is just to reinforce what you said, like nudges, like small nudges. I think about like, f- for whatever reason, like our every household family has its thing that we sort of always struggle with and food prep meal seems to be the thing that we always like we've done the meal services we've done cooking at home we've done there was a season we went through doing too much takeout you know the whole bit and when we are successful more so at doing that it's like small nudges like okay let's do like let's plan out one or two meals or let's do like let's not worry about seven days a week. Let's get really good at doing like one or two days or three days. And that has worked out really well for us. And I think like that comes back to like so many things we talk about in with our members on leadership change and all that is like, don't try to boil the ocean in any one day. Like start small, get a couple iterations, feel success, clear the bar. And then if you want to do more, do more, but like start with just like small nudges. So that's one thing which reinforces what you said. The second thing, which people may have picked up in the context of what you said that I'm just thankful for that you do is you're really good at getting us all working together. Like I just, who I am, my personality, I tend to like, think like I need to take on the world myself and not involve anyone else. And you're really good, Bonnie, at getting us involved, getting the kids involved, getting us working together on something, being the catalyst for starting something new. And I'm really thankful for that because it gives me the context and the perspective and also the motivation when it's not there just to do the things that need to be done and also enjoy the joyful times when stuff doesn't have to be done. I appreciate you saying that. And I did mention our daughter coming to help out and help should have been a little bit in air quotes because <laughs> she she hasn't quite watched enough episodes of Home Edit to have this all finessed. And let's just say that there's part of the pantry where a friend came over the other day and I was showing it off and she's like, oh, wow, look at that. I'm like, no, 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 that's not, no, that does, that's not representative of what we're capable of doing here. But what I love though is she really helped me choose joy because she did bring so much joy to the project. She even made a sign. And so there's a sign on it with Kitty Kitty's Goods or something like that. She likes cats. And so you really can choose joy when you do it together, even if you're going slower and it's not all quite going the way that you would you would have designed it yourself. But we can do it together. It can ease the burden and we can bring each other joy. And also, I believe, too, will help us maintain it in the long run. So that's why you and the other family member we haven't mentioned yet in this scenario, we should continue to do those so that we can each help sustain the system because we're also not good at doing that either. Thank you. 
We made a number of mentions on other resources. You'll find those in the episode notes today. And in addition, several related episodes of our conversation was helpful to you. One of them is episode 284, The Way to Stop Rescuing People from Their Problems. Michael Bungay-Stanier was my guest on that episode. It's one of my favorite episodes I've aired, and two reasons I love it. One is Michael is always great on topics like that. Secondly, it is a problem so many of us run into, the tendency to rescue people from problems. Episode 284, if you find that tendency in yourself as well, lots of helpful advice from Michael there on how to get a bit better. Also recommended episode 302, how to challenge directly and care personally. Kim Scott was my guest on that episode, author of the book Radical Candor. And the message from her is just that, challenge directly and care personally, and is the key word there. As I mentioned in the response to Elizabeth's question, the importance of being able to do both, to be able to serve people well, to be able to help them to move forward, and to ultimately lead well for them and for the organization. Episode 302 for that. I'd also recommend episode 306, Five Steps to Hold People Accountable. Jonathan Raymond was my guest on that episode. He's been on many times over the years. In that episode, he talked through the five steps of the accountability dial. If you, like me, are always looking at getting better at accountability through regular conversations, through regular mentions, as Jonathan calls it, episode 306 is a roadmap of exactly how to do that and many other places you can go with the accountability dial. Uh, Again, that's episode 306. And then finally, the question from Steve about household tasks got me thinking about an episode Bonnie and I did a while back, episode 417, finding joy through intentional choices. Bonnie and I talked in that episode of all the things we don't do. (laughs) The choices we've made on things in our marriage and in social relationships and running our household that we've actually just decided to set aside so that we can spend more time on the things that really do bring us joy. Episode 417, if you'd like to hear a bit more on that. All of those episodes you can find, of course, on the coachingforleaders.com website. I'm inviting you to set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. It's going to give you the ability to search all of the past episodes by topic. One of the buttons on the website for searching is the Bonnie button. You can click on Bonnie's name and you'll find all the episodes that I featured with her over the years, all the Q&A episodes we've done, plus a number of other episodes. But there's lots more topics there as well. If you're looking for something on management skills right now or handling tough conversations or strategy, so many places you can go inside of our library. It's all cataloged since 2011. And we've made it accessible in a way that you can find what you're looking for right now. All of it's available to you, plus a ton more inside the free membership if you set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. And if you're looking for a bit more, you may want to find out a bit about Coaching for Leaders Plus. Coaching for Leaders Plus has several additional benefits. One of them is topic guides. I have hand-selected a whole bunch of topic guides, and each of the topic guides features three or four past episodes in order with commentary for me, with specific key points you should pay attention to, with reflection questions, and all answering a very specific question and a path that you can follow with the easy way to make that accessible for you all. Topic guides are part of Coaching for Leaders Plus. And if you'd like to find out more about that, you can go over to coachingforleaders.plus. It's a little shortcut that'll get you there to find out more about all the benefits inside Coaching for Leaders Plus. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you back for our next conversation on Monday.